For me, always higher attitude, teach skill. That was my big thing um, because, and you know, it, it's different for me, you know, in insurance, you're teaching them everything anyway, you're getting somebody in China um, because attitude for me and how people approach things are things I, I don't have time to teach you. Welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast, where adverse moments become building blocks for the future and knowledge nuggets aren't something you eat, but something you learn. Let's get after it. There is a phrase that we've learned here on the Underdog Podcast. You're either humble or you'll be humble. Our guest today has accomplished something that millions of little girls dream about daily, and that's playing basketball at the highest level. Formerly the National High School Player of the Year, to the University of Connecticut two-time national champion, to WNBA star, to community leader, and now collegiate coach. Tamika Jeter exemplifies the definition of true character. And she's here to share her journey with Black and Decker. And with that, welcome to the UDP, Tamika. <laughs> All right, now my underarms are sweaty. <laughs> you nervous? Never. I, I hate when people, like, I can't stand when people talk about me. The only time I like people to talk, to, talk about me in my presence is Williams for two. That's all I want. <laughs> Williams for three now. That's it. That's as far as we can take. Anything that, else, instant underarm sweat. That, and that's, to me, though, that's how you've always been. You know, just going back to remember you in high school, that's how you've always been, like, you were just out there getting taking care of business on the court. Um, you know, whether you had 25, 30 points and whatnot, um, you guys were typically always dominating the opponent, but you were always humble. And I know we'll talk about a little bit more of that um, as we kind of progress with the podcast, but that's something that I know truly has stuck out to me. Where did that come from? Man, I have great parents and um, you understand the importance of people around you being an extension of home. Um, and there's some some spots where my parents uh, really made great decisions of the people who were around me. And at that point, I was an extension. I'm also a middle child. So, you know, I piss off my older brother and sister too much. They'll put me in a headlock. If I piss off my baby sister, she's going to cry. and I'm going to get in trouble. So to gauge um, that, you stay in your place. And we had a household that we, we, you know, we joked on each other. We got on each other a lot. So you had to have kind of thick skin and roll with the punches. So I just... You know, I always just thought I was one of the just everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about your underdog. You know, I know you mentioned on our pre-call that you had a few underdog moments, but there's one that stuck out. There's a time that stuck out to me. As you mentioned, everyone sees Tamika Jeter. God, I struggle. Just say, just say Williams. Just say okay, Williams. <laughs> Tamika Williams. <laughs> um, as, you know, all the accolades and all the success you've had. But as we said, as we know, and as we found out through this podcast, everyone no matter who you are is going through something at some point in time in life and typically all the time and at one point you walked away from the game of basketball because you said you had lost the love for it um can you take us back to really when that moment happened and some of the events that you know transpired after you walked away from the game um yeah big time I was at the time and we also talked about this I didn't know where I was and what I meant to the state of Ohio and the city of Dayton. You know, you don't think about that stuff. You know, I'm at Ohio State. Um, we were last in the Big Ten. We recruited a high level. I'm a part of the program. We went six Big Ten championships in a row. I leave there, get married, go to Kansas for about a year or two, and say, hey, I'm just going to be married. Had another three-year guarantee. 
Max Deal on the table. Um, uh, every Gino Oriyama was calling. My old coach, Tar Vanderveer, called me the year I left. Muff McGraw called me the second time. Gino called me the second time. Turned them down. I'm in Dallas. I'm, I'm just, you know, being a mom. I'm not a mom. I'm being a wife at that moment. And uh, some other things came into play. You know, ESPN calls and they want me to do some of that, do some of that. The lead calls said, hey, can you do some stuff with NBA Global? Great. Travel the world. Um, open my own business. Um, so that was a lot of uh, fun. But people forget about the personal side of things. And that's the part um, that was tough for me. I had a, I got had went through a divorce. And, you know, you're embarrassed. You know, your name is held in these lights to a certain degree. You think everybody knows. Um, it was a very down time for me to go through something like that. I'm in Texas, you know, um, a little bit of an unknown territory for me at the time. So um, as much as important as it is, and I'm big on that, uh, the mental and emotional part of an athlete, there's also a missional, emotional and mental part off the court that we forget about. You see it more and more. And not that I was, you know, like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of the name. It's not Kevin at uh, Kevin Love. Kevin Love at Cleveland, but there's a part and a balance that you need as an athlete off the court for anybody, you know, the workplace, whatever. And for me, that was a blow, you know, coming back from something like that. I definitely felt like an underdog. And you said there's, so some of those moments, one of the things you mentioned too was, you know, you're used to working hard and having the grind and different things. Um, and you, you took on uh, broadcasting for a moment as well. Um, and having been used to being away from family so much, but then when you had lost the love for the game and taking on broadcasting, I think you said you were taking, it would have been something like 80 days away from your family. Yep. Um, can you talk a little bit about that process and just kind of what that did to you? Well, it was, it was a cool process initially. You know, I moved to Dallas, Doris Burke and Rebecca Lobo call, say, hey, you're out the game. Yeah, you know, I really want to get on the administrative side. I was like, that's my dream job. And so I was trying to become a dobo, you know, maybe an AD, didn't get any rings, kind of, you know, I was late because I was coming off of the WBA season and Doris Burke and Rebecca Lobo called. Who doesn't want that call? Um, I get that call. I'm like, hey, you guys want to put me on TV to talk about basketball and pay me? Cool. And so, you know, initially I started the first season with a couple games where your games continue to grow. And I was getting into the NCAA tournament. And but you forget every day you get called for a game. That's two days out of your personal life. So, you know, I get, you know, I think it was like between 30, 40 games. Well, that's 60 days. That's two months, you know, that I'm going to be away from home. So that was another thing. It's like, man, I got to, you know, sometimes you have to give up things to sacrifice for your family. And that's what I found out. And there wasn't a time in my life that I had to turn down an experience like that because I never did have to. And, and you're doing really good at it. That's why they give you games. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I turned it down and went in some other directions. So maybe she can teach us a few things as far as uh, how to uh, be better podcasters, Calvin. She, you know, she probably teaches a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I doubt it. Well, there's one thing I want to jump in is is not to kind of jump back and forth, but the CJ piece. You know, nine three seven being represented again on date. But let's go. Let's just say once again we. Had, and now with you with Tamika, it's it's you know the women dominate CJ. I just want to get that out there. Because the football program, eh, the women's basketball, incredible. Just want to make sure that is is out there. He likes to throw jabs, but but there's a lot of truth to that Ooh. statement. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you represent. I couldn't believe because I, you know, doing the research just to, I mean, amongst the many different things, obviously a lot of people, as you said, probably focus on your professional career and then Connecticut and, but the high school being the net, like people don't realize how hard it is to be the best player, national high school player of the year. Like that's incredible. And you said representing the state of Ohio. I knew they tried to fly one, one quick story and I go on these little tangents, <laughs> but did they really fly you from Dayton to <laughs> Columbus. Yes. That's a, that's a Actually, real story. They flew, they came to pick me up and then they flew to Toledo to pick up Erica Haney, who eventually went to um, Notre Dame. She's on staff at Ohio, at Ohio state. And yeah. then they flew from Toledo to Columbus. And I still remember getting there, landing. We landed, we um, were at a private, I can't remember where exactly it was, but we land and then there was a red carpet and Andy Geiger, who was AD at the time, Show Willis, who's one of the uh, associate ADs at the time and Beth Burns. No, actually Beth Burns wasn't there. She's a coach, but they were there to greet us. Yeah. Well, obviously they spent a lot of money and it didn't pay off. That wasn't yeah. UD was probably the one where I felt bad for the players and everybody involved. Because back then you could do some extra things, but that was the one that was crazy. And I remember coming home from all these um, uh, visits and whatever I talked about, you know, because people would always want to interview you, whatever. Gino would respond by sending something in the mail. And so because they sent a plane, he did a little like paper slash wooden plane, you know, like you can't send anything. And he put it in in an envelope and sent it. He said, I know I can't get a private plane. And then, you know, like Dayton did this whole big thing in the uh, UD arena. It was crazy. And so he sent like confetti, you know, like everything that people but think, did. But think yeah. about this just from a business perspective, because we always try to do a transfer, transferable skill set or uh-huh. mindset. Uh-huh. The fact that Gino and people wonder why he's so good. But think about that. That was such a creative, you know, piece to say, okay, hey, they might be doing this. I'm going to send you a, a toy plane. And then have a, a message to say, all that, you know, flash and flare and all that doesn't matter. What you're going to learn here at the University of Connecticut, you know, UConn Husky basketball is going to be what's going to set you apart uh, from a basketball and an, I'm sure an academic perspective. But just think about that, Calvin. I mean, we talk about all the time and sales and business development. I know you're in the insurance business, mm-hmm. but just sometimes being creative and genuine can be more effective than just throwing the flash and flare and just big dollars at things. So. Oh. Something to think about for all of us to kind of realize, and even in recruiting, you know, yes. eighteen-year-old women, <laughs> young women, yes. uh, you know, sometimes you don't have to have a jet and red carpet. You just need a little toy uh, uh, wooden plane. So that's right. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you you in in both worlds, it's the type of person that appeals to certain things if you want to even want to be around them. So if there's a person that buys into that. Is that somebody you want to work with? That you always have to throw money at? That you always have to throw things? Or is it someone who wants to see the business grow? Well, same thing in in the basketball world. People, not that you're bad if you like those things, but if that doesn't matter to you, we're going to do this as a family. We're going to get this done. We want to experience things at a different level. Every time I did go there and he sent me that, it brought me back to my main goal. I want to win a national championship. I want to play around players that are really good because, you know, like on my team, I think we only had one or two people who went D1. You know, we were beating teams with teams full of D1, you know, like, but I wanted to play with good players. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to be like, oh, man, here we go. I got to go. I'm about to go, you know, play black one-on-one. And he going to foul me every time because he ain't garbage. Guys, like, honestly, you know, it's just, I well, You guys were kind of good. Just like 39 to no. Is that right? Something like that? Yeah. Our senior year is undefeated. Man. 
And that's a lot of pressure. But like I said, I did it with people who didn't who didn't buy into the glitz and glamour. We wanted to go and work hard and build something special. And, and talk about sustaining excellence. Just to, to sit on this moment for a second. I we're at least I am. I can't speak for my partner here, but infatuated with leaders that sustain excellence. I know Gino talks about having a really, really, you know, having players, great players. And he said, good players. You got his great players, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but what makes, when you're talking about like Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, who we've had on here, what makes Gino, you just gave some examples, but what are some other knowledge nuggets that creates that sustaining of excellence that he's had? It's been cool to be around um, different programs. Um you know, like Coach Self at Kansas, you know, like I would go at his six o'clock workouts every morning when I worked there. Coach Cal at Kentucky, um, Gino, and of course being here, Urban Meyer has a, like a, a coach's kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, but he kind of meets with us and tells us things to look for. And the one thing that's very similar, especially with somebody like Cal, Urban, and Gino, that those are only people I've been around on a daily basis is there's a certain standard and you don't, push that standard down. And these are people who are producing pros. Like 99% of my team is going to play pro at some level. So that's like running a business and everybody is Fortune 100, right? So like everybody's on this level. They're great. They're the best at what they do. And I have to find a way. Um, One thing is they manage um, personalities extremely well. Um, They know how to gauge. I can push Tamika because... Her parents were hard on her, whatever. But if I do that to swing cash, she's going to turn on me. So everybody has to be motivated in different ways and getting people who under that are going to understand that because if we all understand how we motivate each other, we get pushed to a certain level. The second thing I would say is the standard is the same. We do not lower who we are, what we do on and off the court, ever. We do everything here. When you go here, I'm going to bring you back here. When you're here, I'm going to make you go even higher. So... I think those are the things and their emotional intelligence on how people move and paying attention to that kind of stuff is huge. You know, it's, it's just huge. So that's what I would say to that. Yeah. And you're, you're, that's like the Mount Rushmore of, you just said Bill <laughs> Self, John Calpar, Gino, and then you got throw football coach Urban in there amongst several that, that, that is incredible. So cool. That's cool uh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great to understand like what that common thread that you at least receive from that is, is that, like you said, that standard, not, not, you know, varying from that standard, you know, and holding that disciplined approach and, and really that consistency. So it's great to hear that. Now, let me ask, let me jump in here real quick. Cause, um, a lot of times, wait, are you part of this conversation? Me and Tamika I, were just having a I thought he was gone. You yeah. Know, hey, yeah. Just know about the OHIL. After the CJ, we're just going to put you to the side. But. You know why right. I was we'll, quiet? We'll, we'll, we'll welcome you back. Right. You know why I was quiet? Because I need you, to, I wanted you to have this conversation with her so that you can continue to understand what Dayton, Ohio produces. You, well, we probably still produce that, but I, now you have a newfound respect. So that's why I can sit back and enjoy the conversation you guys have. But, <laughs> but here I come. No, um, a lot of times, as you, as we've hear, as we've heard, it can be difficult for someone uh, as a player of your caliber to transition into coaching, uh, because of the expectation. And you mentioned it yesterday. Uh, and I'd like for you to touch on it where you were kind of, you weren't lazy when you were coaching, but you weren't necessarily, as you just spoke about that standard, you didn't, you didn't really push the envelope. Um, can you talk about how you've been able to 
transition from being a player at, at the highest level and, and being so good at, what, at your craft to now being able to instill that but not having an expectation too high that you know others may not be able to reach at your level? Man, now that last part, that expectation <laughs> too high, that gets, that gets players transitioning to being coaches all the time. Um, and, you know, I'm a firm believer, not every player, no matter how great they are, can transition to be a coach or not. You know, like that has nothing to do with it. I've been a part of Olympians who can't walk, through, walk a team through a play. But if you put them at a point guard position and say, pick this apart, they can do it. So not every player can transition to be a coach. That's like baseline. But the one person that helped me out was Jim Foster. And that's who gave me my first opportunity at Ohio State. And I would do stuff like, <laughs> and I had Jessica Davenport, who ended up being like two, three-time All-American, whatever. But she wasn't the number one post player coming out because we were last in the Big Ten when we took the job. And I would get so mad at her. I'd be like, just do this. Just catch it. Do this. Rip through. Crossover. You know, like, like and, and Coach Foster would get so mad. You can't do that. There's a reason why there's pro before Tamika Williams. It ain't no pro before Jessica Davenport. Maybe one day and he would just yell at me and I'd be like, oh, like they, because in my mind, everybody was as good as everybody I played with at Connecticut. And everybody was a pro because that had been my life for, you know, at that point, six, seven years. Like everybody I, I play with and any time I'm on the court, everybody's a pro, you know, even through college. So now I'm in a situation where these kids are not pros yet. She ended up being a seven, eight year pro. And he told me I needed to be a teacher. He said, you can't jump in drills. So my second year, he said, the only time you can get in drills is when I get pissed off at the team and I want you to go and dominate them and embarrass them so I can yell at them. So he made me sit on the baseline and actually say, hey, Jess, I need you to pivot with your left foot, open up, you know, shot fake. And then I want you to hard drive right and, and explain the game to her and be a teacher. And that just taught me a whole different way. And then I also had to learn, I might tell Black to do this. And he just is all over the place. It's not me. It's not him. It might be, I got to change and say it a different way. So it just made me a different coach, especially being out the game and coming back. Just more of a teacher. That's one thing I brought, you know, just from, and it's one thing I see kind of in, in business again, it's, you know, I think people struggle with, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but I think one thing that I've been able to kind of take away from my years of coaching is understanding that you can't coach everyone the same. Like yeah. you said, it goes back to that. And in, and in business, you know, you want to, you ever, you want to hold people to a standard, but as, you, as people will shut down or people don't leave businesses because of the business they leave because of management, yep. it's the same thing in, in sports, you know, people will leave because of a coach. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think that just speaks volumes for you to be able to step back again, take the feedback, the coaching from coach mm -hmm. and say, okay, I have to evolve my craft and understand how am I going to make them better? And what can I add to, you know, what, what sauce can I add to, to this program and, and allow them to continue to grow as players and also as young women? Yep. That's, and that's initially what I said is like you, the people who follow the glitz and glamor and the people who get tied up in why does Gino talk to me one way and black another, you know, if I know if I'm paying enough attention to swing cash to know that if he goes in on her, we lose her. I'm mad at coach because he's managing her the wrong way instead of being mad at coach because he yells at me because that's what I need. So we get to a point in, you know, when we're juniors where we know if, you know, if Sue's going to get pissy, if we're not flashing and getting open. And she's going to spaz out. So we, before we give her anxiety, 
Let's do this the right way. Tamika's going to be mad if people are not in help or not reading right angles because she's got to defend the best player on the other team. So she's going to get pissed off if you don't call a ball screen, and I'm probably going to come and punch you in your face. Like, you know, they know I'm going to assault them in practice if you don't call it. So you find out it makes you make understand where people's um, strengths are and don't push their weaknesses and don't push what gives them anxiety. We're going to promote everybody's strengths. We'll work on our weaknesses, but um, it just makes you more aware of that. Like I talk about emotional intelligence so much because it's so important to know people enough and spend enough time with them that you know how to read them as best you can. And that's what I was just going to ask. My question is like for someone listening, like let's take it from athletics to the business world. Just like I said, you, you've been in both. How do you gather that? What, what are some techniques or, you know, is it finding that uh, just spending time as you just mentioned, like what are some things that someone listening could go and say, Hey, I want to be better at emotional intelligence. So I know how to coach, like you said, the individual, not just be broad based with my strategy and tactical tactical. I can't even speak today, Mr. Black uh, <laughs> techniques. Yeah. Um, but you know, what, what are some of those things? I guess the answer just that, or to ask that question, like what, what can someone learn and what can someone um, do there? As a player initially, it was just spending time. You know, that's kind of the cliche thing. That's the easy way um, um, to get to know somebody is spending time away from them and force them to talk about things outside of what you do in common. For me, it's always been basketball. Um, so that's always when they're in a down downtime being there for them. But the biggest thing for me is paying attention to things when they go um, south. Uh, I use this during interview processes. I use this when we have freshmen on. I always ask them, what is the one thing that, man, if you want to piss you off, what is the one thing that's going to drive you crazy? Everybody knows that one thing that drives them crazy. Hey, if you, if we're in a tense moment and you're screaming at me, I can't take it. If we're in a tense moment and you're not coaching me through it. I'm going to go crazy in the workplace. What is that? What is the one way that what's the one thing that's rewarding to you? You know, um, if, and not talking about bonuses, like what's something, a space that makes you happy. Some, oh, you know, my sister's going to say shopping. My baby sister's going to say doing my nails, you know, sitting somewhere away from my children doing my nails. You might say on a beach somewhere. Black might say with my family. So what is it that motivates you? What is their thing? So then I know in the workspace, if I want, if they did really well, guess what? Some people are motivated by money. Some people are motivated by time off. Some people are motivated by gifts. It's like the love language. So for me, just kind of taking that kind of stuff in now that I'm older, I pay attention to our kids when you know, if I am recruiting, I might say they might be in a sophomore. I'll watch them play. I'll, I'm going to call somebody today and they're going to call me and I'm going to say, hey, your footwork into your three point shot, man, you got to get into it quicker. Sometimes you jump into it. Sometimes you left, right. Sometimes you right, left. And that's why your shot's not consistent. So just try to work on that. But otherwise, Ohio State's a great place, whatever. And really, I just threw a jab. I want to see if they respond. Gino did that to me. And I, and I find it because you're going to get to co campus and I'm going to tell you all these great things during your hiring process, during your recruiting process, and you're going to get here and you're going to get the real me. And how are you going to take it? So it's certain things like that I ask, and it's funny to hear their, their responses, but I try to get it before they get in the door. Then when they get in the door, I pay attention. When Kevin goes off on somebody, Coach McGuff, I watch how they respond. What do they do next? If somebody's super nice to them, do they say thank you? Like, I, I have to pay attention to all that. So when, when I'm on the staff, 
Coach McGuff knows, Coach why every staff I've been on, Jim Foster, you sit in my office for two hours. The middle child watches it all. Yeah, no doubt. Now, Calvin, what what does this what does this remind you of? What is she talking about? I'll put you on the spot. The way I recruit. <laughs> no. Oh, <okay. laughs> well, yeah, we, we know you don't recruit well, but the event, right? She's talking about the E plus R equals O because the event, how does someone you know, respond to that. And I know Tamika, obviously being around urban, I'm sure you would be familiar with this and amongst maybe some of the other, other leaders, but, and then what's the outcome? Like you said, like how, how is someone responding? You said response a few times. Uh, how are they responding to the adversity or the event? And what is that outcome? Like you said, swing cash is different than Tamika Williams. Who's different than Diana Tarazi. See, look at this. I'm naming all these women basketball. Well, Rossi, man, you better yeah. get it. I mean, you talk about difference <laughs> yeah you know like if we weren't like me to Ross and Susie, you had to stay in our butts like if you cuss me out I'm going to respond if you're soft I'm not going to respond to you like I'm gonna be like I'm gonna walk all over this guy but if you come to me like look Williams, you better get your butt I'm gonna get you 20 and 20 you do that to Swin or Asia Jones they're gonna shut down and yeah, it's I not told I'm any better or worse it's just how you motivate people I told I told I told Calvin, your boy uh, Black over here, if he didn't tie his shoes coming into work ever again, not to show up. That's right. I think he uh, he got that message. I, resp- I, was, I responded. I was Gino that day. I responded. Just go get him to call that out. Our toddlers, you know that you just pinched together and you know you just got. <laughs> I actually have the high school. I have the fly knit twos on right now. So I, I I give him a hard time, but I'm like, Hey, if you have laces, you got to tie them. It drives me nuts. You're talking about things that drive you crazy. There you go. So I told him and me and him are closer than almost anybody. I said, if you don't have those shoes tied, like don't even come. So I, I had to, he goes, don't ever bring this up on a podcast. So we're 50 episodes yeah. in now, Calvin. Here so we I are. had to get you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to get, I'm going to send him a pair of those little things. He just has to go like that and press the little button or we can get him the, the Velcro that my, Love my one year old. <laughs> yeah see That's Gino yeah Gino wouldn't let you walk on the court coach Williams here coach Jeter wouldn't let you on the court coach Foster wouldn't let you on the court come on no way you had to have like you gotta be ready to go yes jersey in same socks same shoes ponytail like we're going to war and we all need to look the same love it That's yeah. awesome. Hasn't That's changed. awesome hasn't changed That's awesome. and I would love to I would use I mean we got to get sports. the same way yeah, we got to get sports back. This is getting me so yeah, fired up. The same way. I got all his stuff written down, how he attacks recruiting, how he attacks hiring, all his methods to his madness. And they're, they're all, if you read Nick Saban's stuff, you know, being around Coach Cal, being around Gino and Urban, and they're probably even, you know, you're talking about next level with, with Urban and Gino. Um, it's no different. So how, how, speaking of hiring, because we're in the hiring business, what, what, what is something that you or some of the others, like just a knowledge nugget that someone could take away on hiring, like how they go about it? For me, always hire attitude, teach skill. That was my big thing um, because, and you know, it's different for me, you know, in insurance, you're teaching them everything anyway. You're getting somebody in China um, because attitude for me and how people approach things are things I, I don't have time to teach you. I can teach you the business of the job center. If you and, and black sit down and say, Hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is the protocol. I can teach a dummy that, but I can't teach you to be excited about coming to work every day. I can't teach you about tying your shoes. And, and I tell you once and you don't tie them and you don't care about where you go and you don't want a career and you don't have goals and you know what you want to do in life and holding you accountable to stuff and how you treat your mother. I can't teach you that and pay you. Yeah. And and I think that goes back to something you know I've said here at the job. Kyle's loving this whole tie in his shoes thing, Tamika. 
<laughs> look what we started. Um, but there's one, there's one thing, I, you know, here at the job center that with me, you know, being the head of recruiting, um, obviously we have to find people who have a certain skill set and certain roles and different things. But at the same time, having the kind of that sports mindset where, like you said, like I can get, I can recruit an athlete. I can recruit a person who's at least open-minded to come in and then we can teach you anywhere you need to be. We can teach you the business, but if you're open-minded to say, Hey, come in. If you, if you relate to maybe football, you can come in and I can, you can play defense. You may not, you may play corner, you may play safety or basketball. You may play forward. You may play small forward. At some point though, just come in and we're going to figure out where your skill set and where you're strong at and we'll make it work. But you have to come in with that mindset of, Hey, I'm going to be adaptable to the culture that you guys have and learn mm-hmm. and grow from that. So absolutely. I think that's, that's awesome. Yep. Absolutely. I can teach. I mean, think about how many people come in and they're point guards. They got to learn how to be two guards or you have a, a four that has to be a center or a center that has to be a four because now we got somebody, you know, three inches taller than you. And the same thing goes in, you know, football, you have quarterbacks who are, you know, play multiple positions and did whatever, but it also goes into the workspace. You might think that you're really good at something and everybody around you sees that you're to be great at something else. So my, my co-host played quarterback, but that's the only position he played. <laughs> hey, because, because I am the quarterback, hold, hold, right. we'll, we'll edit this out, but let's call timeout. Your voice is, uh, I think you're, someone's gone with your mic. Do you hear that, Tamika, with Calvin? Is it coming off slow to you? Okay. Mm-mm. That's just how I've always been. <laughs> oh man we gotta add that in there i was gonna say time because it sounds slow my but it's all, if it's if it sounds good to tamika i don't know Patrick, yeah, it sounds normal it sounds normal okay because it sounded like uh, you were talking in uh like a uh, robotic voice there hey remember so, he's not the quarterback so yeah that's right not yeah <laughs> so, so sorry so let's about move that. no you're good so i know we want to start to come towards the conclusion here but um, I do have something here that I, I, I labeled it on my notes is just new life. Um, you know, I know we kind of, and we started off with, you know, your underdog piece, uh, you know, divorce and, and losing your father and, and everything and losing the love of the game. But over the recent years, you have found new life. You mm-hmm. are remarried to mm-hmm. uh, a lovely gentleman by the name of Richie. Um, yep. Your mom uh, of two boys, you found the love of the game. Um, just talk us through kind of what's going on in life now outside of the game. Because again, one of the other things you mentioned yesterday, which I thought was unique and you forget someone of your status and your caliber, who we can see on TV and all of these other things that happen, the moms in your neighborhood, they expect one person. But when you come out and you're hanging with the moms, you're another mom who is away from the game and you don't want to talk about basketball. And I thought yeah. that was just so unique and interesting. Yeah. my I When I go outside, they're out there right now. <laughs> So, you know, I was gone at Kohl's and trying to take some stuff back and get some groceries and on the phone. And they're like waving. My son just came in. That's why I had to press mute a couple of times. You know, I'm hungry. I mean, he's, you know, he's five. He's the size of an eight-year-old. He eats all day and he's skinny. So they're waiting for me. And when I go outside, you know, to the moms, I'm just mom. I'm Tamika. You know, she's got this cool job. Some of, you know, they're huge football fans or whatever. The dads are like, they want to talk sports to me, you know. So back when, uh, what's Urban doing? Coach today, you know, like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't, you want to call him? I, I don't know. So I'm just a mom, you know. And sometimes I forget unless I talk to, like, I was talking to my older brother. And he was like, man, the best game I've ever been to, best sporting event I've ever been to was when your senior year you played the state championships. And you almost, and I was like, he remembers everything and my brother just clowns me about that you know I'm the best basketball player because he went to Miami so you know he thinks he's great 
And so, <laughs> you know, he talks about it and he remembers everything. Like, I remember you came out, hit three threes, you know, and you playing against seven. And I'm just like, dude, I don't remember, you know, like some of that just, and I, I'm the elephant. Like they called me my dad. Like I remember, but I just, it's so much I let go because I don't remember. I don't know where any of my national championship rings are. I don't know where any of my biggies. I just found one of my big 10 rings. I was lying to people when I would get interviewed for jobs and I would tell them I won two big 10 championships. And I think I won four or five and not until I played at Ohio State at Penn State. I was like, dang, we won one, two, three. <laughs> I had to count them. You don't win. You do not remember that. What I remember is the people and the memories. That's why the plane ride and the celebration at UD Arena never registered with me at that age. I don't remember. That's why when I came in and Black was sitting there, you know, at Chaminade, and I'll come in from Connecticut and I sit next to him, I didn't remember, you know, B2K and that he might be looking at me in some space like, oh my God, this is to me, Williams. I just remember the people. And, you know, I don't know. You asked me, go get your rings and go get all your awards and your Gatorade. Half those things are broken. My husband is like, dude, you got a Naismith Award and it's broke. It's hanging like this. Like, I'm like, man, I just kept it in the box. Like, I was about to give it away. You know, my Gatorade ball is cracked off. Like, literally, it's right here. Like, I took care of nothing. I could care less. He wanted to put jerseys up. I'm like, who puts jerseys up in their house? I do. Like, I, I... I just want to be Richard and Josiah's mom and Richard's wife at this point in my life. And I want to be a great coach to the young women that I coach, inspire them, be impactful to them and um, help them realize they can do anything in life. And that's like my goal right now. And that and watching your um, and one of your inductions to I'm sure you're in many Hall of Fames. But um, when you said that, once again, the there's three things free in life. And I know you mentioned this a lot mm-hmm. and we talk about it, but. Once again, for those that are listening, God's blessings, love, and family. And I think the material things is I'm learning for you, uh, which is super, uh, it's a great thing for anyone, I think, listening to this to, to kind of st- step back and be self-aware like I'm doing in the current moment of like, okay, how much do material things matter to me versus the relationships and experiences? And I think that's a good, you're challenging, indirectly, you're challenging our listeners and really myself and I think Calvin here is you know, what, 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 the, where does that stand? And it's really, yeah. I guess, uh, refreshing to hear how much material things, like you said, you have pretty much anything you can think of you have, and it doesn't matter. Those relationships, uh, really are the ones that come through. And I, in <clears throat> going through not to go back to the divorce piece, but I think that was a big, when your dad died and the re- things I was reading, it sounds like when your dad passed away and you went through the divorce, those relationships were there for you. Is that right? Absolutely. Yep. And those, and you, and, and, you know, up until that point, I don't know outside off the court, how many hard things, you know, the court was hard, but in life, everybody was alive, you know, life was good. You know, before I got married, I had a hundred boyfriends. I was good. You know, I was living the life. I was cute. Was Calvin you know, one of them? Did you ever date younger Calvin guys? Calvin was not one of them. Calvin was <laughs> I liked him a lot older than Calvin. I liked him a lot older than myself. So okay. that's where I got in trouble, but. Um, you know, <laughs> I would like to, I was hoping you said maybe that's something I didn't know. There's some dirt here that we could no, you shed know, light. like Calvin was, Look, you know, dunking on Calvin. I, mean, I can't date somebody I can dunk on, but no, but geez. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, I sent him to football, you know, he, he was like, I'm good. You know, B2 yeah. I'm good. 
Yes. So that, I guess that does transition us into rapid fire. Um, and I don't know, we, we have some questions we typically ask, but I think these are just some of the memories that I had that I'll kind of touch base on. And maybe you can elaborate on a couple of them, but um, like, obviously you, the MTV did a piece on you. And then I asked her the whole, I don't know if our listeners all remember who B2K is, but they were a, uh, they were an R and B group dance group around 2000. And the, um, but in the late nineties, when Tamika was still at CJ at our high school, the, they came to the high school to play basketball with her. And like, they had to like shut half of the school down. Cause all the girls were trying to get to the gym. And I remember <laughs> them sprinting out of the gym out of the school and hopping in the van and they sped off before, before the school got to them. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I know there was the sports illustrated spread. And then the last one I remember is coming out of the restroom. I was in, I think I was in study hall. I might've just been not in class, but I was coming out of the restroom and UConn had came to <laughs> CJ to practice. And I had never seen a woman taller than me at this point in time when I was 16, 17 years old. And I come around the corner and I promise you, this girl <laughs> had to be six eight. And I bumped her. And yep. I just remember looking up like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like that's real basketball right there. So those are just some of the memories, man, that I that I do have. Is that Rebecca Lobo or is that Tamika? Kelly Schumacher. We had six six and six eight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I wish. That's- that's amazing. It, well, real quick before I know we're going rapid fire, but your field goal percentage, you talk about, I mean, I wish I, I was curious, and I guess this is a selfish question because I'm just, I was on of all the stuff. I was like, I got to ask this. Do you wish you shot more because you were so efficient with how well you made baskets? Do you wish you would have say you would have tried to know that wasn't your type of game, but do you <laughs> ever wonder being an armchair quarterback here? Like if you, if you if you doubled your field goals, how much would your percentage be? You know, come down. Um, it probably wouldn't have come down much because the people around me got me the ball where I needed to get it. So that was the part where it just made it easy when you're just catching, shooting, catching, finishing. Um, and I was a phenomenal offensive rebounder. So between me, Swin, and Asia, we got a lot off of that kind of stuff, and we didn't miss much. And you know, I was fast, so I could get out in transition, so I got a lot of easy buckets, but. On the team we had, you had to play the role. And my role in college was way different than my role in high school. And that was tough for me, a transition for me, someone who shot threes and did a little bit more, you know, handling. And we could still handle the ball, but that wasn't my go-to. You know, he wanted me to score more driving, finishing, things like that. So um, I think about it at times. But on our team, we all, if you look at it, this is this is something to learn. You don't have to put up these big numbers. We were all – uh, lottery picks and we all averaged about the same you know we just we just we were just great and perfected the spaces we were in which make you a good pro right great players that are learn how to work together as a team once again that's the important part that's incredible like you said if i looked at you average what maybe 11 points in college or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. um and and it's just like you think because I you know as as like once again someone on the outside looking in I'm like what if she would have went to Ohio State and dropped thirty a yep. game, <laughs> right? Yep. You know, but yeah, I'm like just I'm like this is incredible that still and even to this day like programs like where you came where other schools you're at like Kansas and Kentucky that they, they get all these top, they get three of the top ten players in the country and they learn for the most part to come in as a unit and quickly have the cohesiveness to hopefully make a run at a national championship. It just really, I love these things of how do you can get people to work 
as effectively and as quickly as possible. It's, it's a yep. science for sure. It is. Coach Cal has a whole, you know, their whole, it's funny looking at their recruiting. It's all based on uh, first year money where you get drafted, <laughs> you know, like at Kentucky, because that's, you know, there's so many one and does. But the one thing that he is just really huge on is don't come here and expect to average 20 something points a game. You know, unless it's that type of team that year. But for the most part, Anthony Hamilton, I mean, Anthony Davis, Anthony Hamilton, I'm thinking Anthony Davis, you go look at his stats, he was just a great all-around player. Now he's a star, you know, but the, you you can't have that many great players and have people st- that many people just stand out over and beyond. It's either the Jordan effect where he's way up here and everybody else is working in a, a really high space or you got to have everybody on that same playing field and you know, for the most part, Tarasi would average a couple more, but we were all in that, you know, 17 or 10 or, you know, just depending on your, if you want to be successful, everybody's got to be great at what they do. Sure. All right. Well, let's, let's get her on the hot seat. Let's get, let's get the CJ Eagle back on the hot seat here. That's so. right. Cause if you ain't an Eagle, you ain't flying. Always know there that. you go. All right. <laughs> he ain't um, flying. <laughs> I'm a Granville Blue Ace. I'm, pl- I'm, I'm, pl- I'm proud to be a Blue Ace. You guys heard it here. CJ Pete people <laughs> um all right so let's talk about being that head coach you talked a lot about it head coach one day is that a desire and at what level you know what let's shine a little light on that you know i'm just not feeling the head the stuff i have to see the head coaches go through um for me um you know people hate when i say never you know maybe in high school you know or you know coaching my kids or something like that and i hate to say never but i just don't want to go through what they go through and the other side of this, I've been through so much at the level that I am being an assistant coach is that I love working just on the ground with the young women that I work with and helping them figure out life. So uh, I can't say absolutely not, but it's just I'd rather go into administration. Sure. Uh, what what was as a player going back to the player? What was your um, favorite memory as a player? Would you say I know you had a lot there, but what, what would be your well, if you had to choose one, what would it be? My favorite memory as a player would probably have to be, it's not one, geez. It, it was after we, no, I can tell you one. It was after we won our national championship my senior year in college. And we all came home. I'm not going to lie. You know, people thought we were going to throw this big party, right? Like, oh, my God. And it was me, Seuss, Winnie, Asia, everybody I came in with. And we were just sitting. We went to like a bar because at this point we're like almost 22. And we're just having like a beer, like nothing big, just sitting there. And we're almost like in tears because guess what? It's over. There's no more practice. There's no more. And that moment, like I've never had anxiety. Like I didn't want it to be over. You know, you don't go undefeated when, you know, like what we did in, in four years and want it to end. And so as much as the championship was great, the time that we spent in that moment before our lives changed and we went to four different places in in, America, in in the United States, that moment for me was so pivotal because that was a time where greatness had to stop and I had to press reset. And that moment, I was I was the least emotional out of all of us. Like Tamika never cried. She didn't freaking, you know, kill somebody in front of us. Yeah, that was that person. I was like getting teary-eyed and they didn't know what to do because they had never seen me. Like, oh, like, man, it's over. Like, it's over. <laughs> So you just want those times to keep going. You want the tough practices. You want to be yelled at. You want to be, you want to stay in that moment. Yeah. That, you can't get it back. Right. And that's the hard, that's the hardest thing is when you lose, like I said, I wish I could go back to the locker room. As you, you mentioned, you mm-hmm. look at all the fond memories of, of events like that. Um, so going from player and now the next coach is as a coach, 
you talked a lot about coaching as well here. What is your most, most enjoyable piece of coaching uh, so far, most memorable moment? I would say my most memorable moment in coaching would have to be coaching my first couple years at Ohio State. Um, it was the first time that I experienced growth. You know, when we took over this job here, Jim did, I was a GA my first year, my second year, but just starting up, they were last, Ohio State was last in the Big Ten. And to build a program from last in the Big Ten and to recruit the right type, you got to get everything perfect. You know, like almost, you can't make mistakes on the type of kid you bring in, the talent, the ability for them to grow because you're not going to get who everybody else is getting that's beating your butt. So who can I bring in that's going to grow or is going to be special in some place that nobody else sees because we're, we're getting bottom feeders. And that was so much fun for me to help be, recruit that type of kid. So that leads me to Jessica Davenport. She was probably one of the most fun All-Americans because nobody expected it. She's a little knock-kneed, long, you know, long, you like, kind of look like a, a long, what they call it, long daddy spider, daddy long leg spider. And she had just a left layup. And she finished with all this stuff, had a pro career, and got us to where we were, um, um, you know, national stage. And it's kind of maintained and sustained itself throughout. Brady Hoskins is another one um, that I enjoy. But the Jessica Davenport story to build a program from nothing and making sure you get that right type of kid was a lot of fun seeing her work hard. That's all. I think the common thing, if, if I just listen to your answers to the last two questions, is, you know, the one of your, you guys are done. So those people, those relationships that you've, that are ending, you know, that that's devastating. But then at the same time, as a coach, finding the right people again to bring in who are going to be those uns, unexpected stars at some point, um, and building that type of culture as well. I mean, again, it just goes back to the to the type of people that you surround yourself with and that you bring into the to any organization that's going to build those lasting memories and also be, you know, be the definition of whether you're successful um, at some level or not. So right. I think that's awesome. And knowing when you get it wrong, you bring in a knucklehead to any situation or a bad seat where you're like, man, dog, I don't know if we just – this guy or this girl's going to work out like, you know, then they keep showing you all these signs and, you know, having one bad egg or two or three can take over a whole situation. So um, not that, you know, we have the resources to kind of turn that around at a place like Ohio state, some of the places I've worked, but you need to get that right for the head coach and know where, where they're successful. And that's another thing I learned during that process is this type of player makes Jim Foster successful learning after my first year, this type of player makes Kevin McGuff successful. So bringing in people that make the the person that's over everybody successful is something else that you learn in that process. I've made my partner real successful the three years I've been here. Let's oh, keep, yeah? Hey. <laughs> hey, well, hey, and we'll end on that one. <laughs> hold on, hold on. We just, we, we just got to get... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's working pretty hard for that. Um, you guys beat Michigan, right? Hopefully yes. last year. Okay. Thank goodness. So he's a Michigan Man. fan. I should go I know. this way. I got to learn. Yeah. He's a Michigan fan. And thank, thank you, Ohio state for beating Michigan and pretty much every sport uh, yes. out there. And uh, yeah, we could, we could leave it on that. <laughs> we can leave it on that. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that in Ohio state dominates. Yeah. We don't even say the, the M word. That's right. That's so. right. Hey, make, make sure you guys give your head coach an extension. He's waiting for it. Stop blaming, <sighs> blaming for coronavirus. Give Harbaugh. 
it's his extension because he's, you know, he's just as good as Coach today, I'm sure, considering we just signed the number one class. But who's, who's, who's watching? Who's counting? Man, who's, who's counting all, all these who's great Who's counting that? <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, give him an extension. You know, hurry Man. up and on paper. Well, Tamika, on behalf, I know um, we, we we loved having you on today. It's been a it's been a you've been a complete gem for us, and we're very fortunate enough. And we wish you nothing but future success. And we're gonna be rooting for you. And you're right up the road, so we'll have to come visit you as well. And hey, um, I got tickets anytime. Yeah, yeah. Your energy, um, your track record of sustaining excellence and winning at all uh, sorts of levels and in life as well. And there's so much things I think I took away from today. And uh, amongst many different things, you know, the the material things really don't matter and the relationships and experiences really resonated with me. And I appreciate, you know, you really uh, dropping those on us today and, and really making sure, you know, we all think about that. So thank you so much. And how can we support Tamika? Is there, are you on social media? Is there anything that we can find you? Yeah, uh, TWMS34. That's pretty much across the board. Mom, yeah, I'm also, and I'm you, also at your local, at like, your local, local grocery store as mom. <laughs> They're like, Mom, the podcast needs to be over. Yeah. Hey, off, so. hey, you, hey, you guys wanted the real? Here we go. Right? There you go. Yes, we love it. You come to a game or, you know, come up and watch a football game. I'm always open to the job center. Uh, I would love to link up or if you guys ever need me to come down there, you know, I'm all about what's going on in your movement. Coach Matt, you got Duffy on. Um, you guys are doing a tremendous job. So I'm just happy you guys are featuring underdogs or underdog moments and, and understanding in life that everybody is going to experience being an underdog. And how you respond is what's important. And the people yeah. you put around you are important. So thank you guys for putting the message out. Absolutely. And don't, and don't yell at your son too much for yelling back there. It's no <laughs> big deal. <laughs> this is life. Like, having two boys, I can't hear them. You can. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Tamika. Awesome. Have a great one. Yeah. Appreciate really it. Thanks, Tamika. Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps. And send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free T-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.